This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Weeknights on Joy 94.9. Sharing your passion. Good evening, Melbourne, and welcome into the locker room. I'm Mark Rowley Roland, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host Michael Smith. How are you tonight, Smithy? Ah, uh, look, it's a great time to be alive. It's summer. A great sports, time to be alive. Sports fiesta that we're going into this weekend. Sports and gay events. It's going to be great this weekend. Right, sports fiesta. Actually, let's go with the Mexican Spanish theme tonight. I like that. We'll just a bit of a hint of that. Smithy, let's quickly run through what do we got on tonight. Well, it is Midsummer Sports Day this Saturday, and if you can brave the heat, it's going to be a great day to get out there and try out any kind of sport that you can imagine in our gay sporting community. We'll speak with Dane to chat out from Team Melbourne, and we're going to find out what's on. Um, the chief sports writer for the Sydney Morning Herald, Andrew Webster, says that Michael Kirby saved his life. Um, so we're going to have a chat with him about sport coming out and also what's going to be happening at the Sochi Olympics, where he'll be attending as a journalist. Sochi. Sochi. I've got it. Maybe no soaking, maybe this so week she. we'll finally get it right. You never right. know. Let's see. Listeners, he's got a whole show to get through. Let's see if he can get it right. Uh, we go back behind the scenes in the NFL in the 1960s to hear about its very own brokeback romance at the Washington Redskins and ask if things are any better now for our gay professional athletes. And that reminds me, Super Bowl this week, we generally know absolutely nothing about the Super Bowl, so we must have a listener out there that can help us out a little bit. So maybe SMS us on 0427JOY949 or email us on air at joy.org.au to help us get into the Super Bowl uh, fever, I suppose. Yeah. First of all, maybe tell us who's even in it. Who's what, playing? What is it, a, a red back and a, and a, and a Jonathan? Or what, what do we got on there? Who, who's playing and, and, and maybe where's the game being played? That'd be a good start. And Somewhere may, in the United States, I imagine. And maybe who would win? Doesn't it go for like five and a half hours or something? Look, I don't know. It's on at 10.30 in the morning on a Monday, so it's not the most convenient time. 10.30 here or over there? They're here. Oh, okay. No, they don't play it at 10.30 Monday morning (laughs) in the United States. There's a whole like time difference that gets I was going to say, good morning with Kerry ann and here we come with uh, the Super Bowl, but no, all right. Um, Adam's going to have a chat with us about what happened in the tennis and the usual roundup and what's on this week. So that's Adam from Rise Up. That's right. premium breakfast show on Wednesdays. He just just keeps going and going like the Energizer Bunny on Mondays. He gets up early. And he's going to do a bit of coverage on because uh, Stan- I can't pronounce the the names Stanislav Varinka. So he's going to come and help us out with those and tell us what actually happened. But now I think it's time, Rolly, for your roundup. So Tony Nadal, who is uh, Raphael's coach and uncle, so he's kept it in the family, uh, have uh, he's nominated Melburnians as uh, poor sportsman with the booing. What do you think about this, uh, Smithy? You must have been watching the, the tennis the other night where the poor bugger was uh, having a sore back and, and the crowd got stuck into him. Yeah, it's pretty poor form. I think it comes from a sense of entitlement that you've paid that much to watch a game of tennis. That if someone gets a bit hurt, you think 
you know, my, my hard-earned dollars are better than your professional pain. Well, that's exactly what Tony Dell said. He said, look, I don't think the Crown should be acting like this. He understood that they paid money for their tickets, but, you know, at the end that's of the sport. day, he, you know, he's number one in the world. I'd actually have to give him applaud. We'll talk to Adam later about this, but he did stay right through. And, you know, our own Bernard Tomic, and I'm not commenting, I'm just saying he wasn't able to make it all the way through. With and then an he had surgery. Yeah, well, <laughs> and he also got booed. I wonder whether we should stop booing players when they get injured. You know? I wonder if booing is just generally bad form. Yeah, I th- I th- maybe, yeah. Like, when does a boo ever justify, do you think? Um... I don't know, actually. Um, something poor, like if you foot trip somebody or you stuck, you know, your your wet finger in someone's ear, I'd probably boo at that. If, if, if you're listening tonight and you can think of a, a justified boo, send us a text on 0427 JOY 949 and tell us what you think you should boo at, if at all, on the sporting field. Uh, Smithy, if you were playing a word association game and the first word was Mexico, what would you yell out? Three things. Nachos. Yeah. Big hats. Mm. Football. Oh, look at that. You're pretty close. I was thinking tacos, tequila, and Corona, so we're sort of on the same way. Yeah, I'm not drinking so much these days. Smithy, however, I bet you wouldn't have come up with herbitus or skiing. And this is just one of the reasons this story on Prince Herbitus von Helong Langenberg, or AK Andy Himalaya, AK Royal Disaster, is such a cracker. So I'm loving this story. He's 55, he's a six time Olympian, he's a pop singer, fluent in five languages, an heir to an automobile fortune, and has blue blood. Let's just have a wee listen to his uh, pop single that got released last year. Oh, no more, no more. <laughs> He's, uh, you're better than photography. He is a photographer, by the way. Uh, so, anyway, he'll be donning his best. Now, let me see if I get this. Marura Chachi. So, that's the same thing that's worn by the three amigos, that sort of black thing with the white. So, he wears a lycra one, and he, and he actually skis looking like one of the three amigos. And he's competing at the Olympic Games. He's been competing since 1984. He's the sole Mexican uh, participant, and he found the Ski Federation for Mexico in 1984, believe it or not. So, um, yeah, he's a bit bit of a notorious man on there. He's the second, he'll be the second oldest uh, competitor at Sochi. Uh, well, there's someone older than him. Yeah, believe it or not. Um, yeah, so he's been going strong. He's basically uh, one-eighth Mexican. He lives in Austria. Uh, and he's yet to win a medal. So they're guessing this will be his last Olympics. Well, there's hope for us all, isn't there? Mm. I I never thought I would get to the Olympics, but you just never know. If you want to follow someone at the Olympics, this is the man to follow, I think. Uh, Our favourite, well, not favourite, but uh, Coca-Cola's bid to downplay its sponsorship of the 2014 Sochi Winter Olympics took a blow this week when it merged the word gay as banned from its customisable share-a-coke function on its website. The brand's bid to make pouring a soda down your neck a more personal experience has been a huge success since it launched the naming promotion last summer in Europe, with customers encouraged to print their friends' names or any kind of things. So you can have a Coke with Jesus or a a Coke with... um, I don't know. Who else would you have a Coke with, Smithy? I don't know. I'm not much of a drinker of fizzy, carbonated, sugary drinks. You can have a Coke with Gandhi if you wanted to. Uh, Writing the word gay into the service returns the error message. Oops, let's pretend you didn't just type that. Please try another name. 
How about that? What if it were gay, like the name gay, G-A-Y-E? Well, this is what they're saying. Uh, thousands of people with the last name gay. I'm sorry, but you can't have a like Coke Tyson, with them. Tyson gay. This you can't time. have a Coke with them. Oops, you've got that wrong. So, um, yeah, weird thing. Why so would they be trying to downplay their sponsorship? Since when does anyone splurge millions on sponsoring something and then like not want anyone to know about it? Well, they are the sponsor of the Olympics, and the Olympics are in Russia. That's just how sponsorship works, I suppose. Strange no. world we live in. Uh, former, Engl- former English Premier League goalke- uh, goalkeeper has caused outrage by saying gay footballers should stay in the closet. Ex-Arsenal player Hans Lehmann has told Sky News that gay footballers would be crazy to reveal their sexual orientation. He went on to say if a teammate had come out during his playing days, it would have just been strange. He said, you shower together every day with this funny look on his face. Lehman added that any such player would be subjected to taunts and that the game was probably not ready for people to be open about their homosexuality. So Lehman, he does realise it's 2014. Yeah. It sounds like he still thinks it's 1969. And but Nothing anyway. self-fulfilling about what he's saying there at all. No, not at all. Uh, Lehman's comments have caused an outroar in his native Germany where Thomas Hitzberger, who played alongside Lehman for Stuttgart in Germany, recently admitted he was gay. Lehman advised, if you are a current gay soccer player, please keep it quiet. Anyone doing anyone coming out would be nuts. So, um, yeah, absolute outrage in Germany at the moment, but we'll see. Uh, that's your roundup for this week, uh, and you're in the locker room on Joy at 94.9. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. GLBTI sporting news that matters to you. That matters to you. The Locker Room. Hey, um, one other thing I was just going to have a talk to you about. Uh, another rugby player, Wallaby Quaid Cooper, is preparing for a fight tonight. Uh, he's fighting uh, up in Brisbane against Warren the Fortress Treesider as part of uh, Anthony Mundine's undercard. The older Aussie rugby union aren't too happy. Of course, uh, Quaid Cooper's now the vice-captain of the Wallabies, the national rugby side. What do you think about these people having these sort of side things where they sort of go off and... Box? Do you think you know you should be allowed to go? You know, once you've nominated one sport, because there was that whole argument of that you should be able to play league and rugby union. Well, you're probably not the most sympathetic person to Quade Cooper, given that you're a Kiwi. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. You just feel like you have to compulsively boom. Like, I don't have too much of a problem with it. I guess I'd only be a bit concerned that he might get hurt and then he wouldn't be able to play rugby for the Wallabies because his form towards the end of last year was absolutely outstanding. He was in career best form, so you just hate for him to get injured. Hmm. But otherwise, I mean, boxing is a terrific sport for fitness. I mean, he'd be. You'd be, you'd be crazy not to want your players to be that that physically fit. But Yeah, I mean, I'm, just, I'm just not sure. And the boxing, you know. Quade Cooper's probably in there in the category with the Pavlova and Crowded House about Kiwi things that Australia's stolen. That's all right. You guys anyway. can have them. Uh, we've got Dane McManus from uh, Team Melbourne on the line. Dane, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. So, uh, next instalment of Midsummer and, uh, of course, Team Melbourne's premier event uh, this weekend. Tell us all about it. What is it? What's going on? Uh, so, this is our first, uh, sorry, our third um, Team yeah. Melbourne. I was sure Midsummer I was at one last day. year. <laughs> You'd be worried yeah. there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, this is our third, um, the third time we're doing this, and um, it's going to be probably the biggest one we've ever done. So, um, last year was um, the first time we went to Maribyrnong, so Footscray Park, and um, the city of Maribyrnong has been very generous along with Mid with Midsummer to um, host the event there. Um, it's basically a day where all of, all of the Team Melbourne clubs get together and host their own sessions um, to get the GLBTIQ community to give it a go. So the sessions are designed for beginners to come along and have a go at any desired sports they'd like to try. 
and um, see what the gay and lesbian sporting community can offer offer them. Dane, as a Westie myself, it's great to see things happening in the Melbourne's western suburbs. What kind of sports can people get involved with on Sports Day? Oh, look, there's heaps of sports available. So the morning, um, it starts at 9 o'clock and um, um, the first sessions are the bent cranks with cycling. Um, the Argonauts will have a rowing session um, and then front runners will also host running. Um, there's an AFL clinic with Jason Ball and the Snowden Spurs. Um, Brock McLean, an AFL player from Carlton, will also be there, which is fantastic. And um, the Chargers rugby team will be doing some sessions from 10 o'clock as well. So... Um, those are in the morning, and then the AFL Nines exhibition match will be played at 10.30, as well as soccer drills with the Rovers um, and tennis with um, Ace Girls and Big Tennis. Um, so it's a very um, jam-packed morning, as well as um, walking with the Nomads, dancing with the Dance Cats, badminton with the Smashers. So there's heaps on for, for people in the morning, and um, Motor Friends will be having a car exhibit in the morning as well. So um, a very big morning, and also um, I should mention that Melbourne Heart will be sending um, one of their players down there, Jason Hoffman. So a lot of support from the AFL and from the A-League soccer, um, soccer league as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. Uh, I know that we've got uh, pretty variable weather conditions on Saturday. I think uh, being a charger, I think we were on at 3 o'clock, but uh, it looks like we've just got to keep our eyes out. Most of the events are going to be in the morning now. So, so yes, um, the charges have been moved to 10 o'clock in the morning, so we've um, spoken to all our teams, and um, I think the... the forecast is 36 degrees on Saturday, so which is a little bit lower than the 39 that they'd sort of spoken about yesterday and the day before. Um, but based upon that, we've moved the outdoor sports to the mornings and um, the afternoon they'll be dancing with the dance cats inside, volleyball with the spikers inside. Um, so after, this is after lunch. Swimming with the Glamourheads at 2.30 and water polo, sorry, swimming with the Glamourheads at 1 o'clock, I should say, and then um, water polo with the surge at 2.30. So um, once it gets very hot in the afternoon, people can jump in the water with the glamour heads or the surge um, and go inside with the volleyball spikers or um, the dance cats. So um, all the outdoor sports are being held in the morning this time. So. Now, I'm a bit of a recent convert to rugby, but an AFL fan of way back. I wouldn't mind giving AFL a go. Is this part of our push to see if we can get an AFL, a gay AFL team here in Melbourne? Um, well, look, I, I think... Um the, the push really needs to come from the community. Um, Team Melbourne is an umbrella group for all of the gay and lesbian sporting groups, so we'd love to see a, a gay AFL um, club, and we've spoken to the AFL about this, and um, Jason Ball's done an amazing job um, getting the AFL um, organised and, and involved, and um, they, I mean, as you know, an AFL club requires quite a lot of players, so um, the best way to do this is the AFL 9's um, matches which um, the AFL are trying to promote which requires fewer people to start a team um, but of course there's always the St Albans Spurs, the female team that's um, based out in St Albans as well as a, a very um, prominent um, female um, AFL league in Melbourne um, but we just don't have a, um, a gay male team as yet but um, who knows this could be the start of it so you yeah, well, exactly right. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, even if you just want to go down and have a bit of a look on Saturday and uh, even if you're not a fitness person, you can always go with motor friends. I know they like to just sort of cruise around and uh, have fast cars. So uh, there's going to be something for everybody from rowing to swimming. Uh, thanks yeah. so much for joining us tonight, Dane. In the locker room, you're, in jo- oh, you're on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9 is a GLB TIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. 
Rolly, journalists are used to reporting on the news, but not necessarily used to being the story themselves. But that's exactly what chief sports writer of the Sydney Morning Herald, Andrew Webster, did when he penned his article, How Michael Kirby Saved My Life for Fairfax Media. In the article, Andrew spoke candidly about his struggle with his sexuality and how listening to former High Court Justice and gay icon Michael Kirby open the gay games in Sydney in 2002 inspired him on a journey towards self-acceptance and ultimately to share his story with his readers. He's one of the nation's most respected sports writers and we're lucky enough to convince him to join us in the locker room. Andrew, welcome. G'day, boys. I don't know about respected. Oh, well, we, we thought we'd I'll say that I'll anyway. Take it. I'll take it. <laughs> no worries. Um, Andrew, just tell us a bit about what prompted you to go public. Uh, it was it was a strange um, strange week actually. I was in Melbourne uh, covering the uh, Spring Carnival, and a player called Ryan Stig, who's a fringe first grade player for the Newcastle Knights, um, one of the NRL teams in Sydney, uh, had gone on Twitter and posted a rant about um, about same sex marriage and how homosexuality was basically the work of the devil. Um, now, I wasn't all that upset. I was sort of oblivious to the fact that he had made those comments and made those remarks. He went on Newcastle Radio and backed it up. But the thing that probably angered me the most was that uh, the NRL and the Newcastle 90s club basically didn't take any action against him because they said it was his religious belief. Um, as I said, I was in Melbourne, so I was a bit <laughs> oblivious to, to the whole thing. I'm sure you've heard of it. Because we don't care about rugby league down here. We wouldn't have noticed. No, no, no. Well, I don't. I hadn't heard about it at all, but Andrew Purchase, who's um, the uh, the chairman of the Bingham Cup and very uh, founded the, the Sydney Convicts up here, he sort of alerted it to me and to Peter Fitzsimons, who's my colleague. And they said, what do you want to do about it? And I'd had this column sort of in my back pocket for about 13 months. I'd written it when I was at the Daily Telegraph, which is a news limited publication in Sydney. And... I sort of, we went back and forth, and I went, oh, hang on, maybe I'll just run this. And I sent it through to them, and, and they both said, you've got to run it. So after much consultation with my family and my editor and others, uh, we decided to run it, and um, the response was overwhelming. Andrew, uh, Mark, Roland here. Just wondering, what was the uh, reaction to your column like? What's it been? Enormous. I was, I was gobsmacked. Um, I was covering the, uh, it was Derby Day in Melbourne, the Saturday when it came out. The, the Herald gave it a good run. They put it on the front page. They thought, the editor, Darren Goods, said, if we're going to run it, we might as well do a, a good job of it. And they certainly did. Um, it went viral on, uh, on social media. I picked up a 1,000 followers in, um, in something like two hours. Um, so that's a good way to bump up your, following, your follower numbers, just come out on the front page of the paper. One of those is me, I think, but that's okay. Very <laughs> good, thank you get on board it was just more the the funny thing was the reaction of people i hadn't spoken to for a long time from uh first grade footballers from cricketers shane watson texted me from india brad haddon a stack of nrl players uh johnny lewis the famous boxing trainer who i know well he sort of he phoned and uh, was in tears and just a lot of my phone didn't stop all day but it was a crazy day because i was down at uh, i was at flemington covering the races covering the Victorian Derby, I had two stories to write and then I started punting like a lunatic as well, as well as taking calls from family and friends and people wanting to support me. So it was one of the uh, most bizarre days of my life. But um, I remember walking out of Flemington that day, boys, and sort of just standing there with you know, all the trash and everyone had cleared out and I'd filed the stories for the day and thinking, well, I'm never going to have a day like that again. So I'm pretty glad about what happened. I'm pretty glad with the... And the thing that surprised me the most, I did not get one single 
homophobic comment on uh, on Twitter or any forum whatsoever, and that gave me hope. That 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 stunned me because that was the fear that that I was going to get. You know, it's an easy it's an easy way for for faceless people to have a crack at you via social media. But I did not get one single filthy comment from anyone. I think that was probably the most heartening thing out of a lot. So you said you penned the article 13 months prior, but mm. you didn't publish it. What was the reason for hanging on to it and keeping it in your back pocket? The reason, the reason why I didn't, well, I was working for News Limited. I wrote, the thing that angers me the most, and I don't mind saying this now, although I haven't really made it public, um, I was sitting uh, in the office in the sports department and I was watching... Um, the, uh, I was watching Parliament when they passed or went to try and pass that same-sex marriage bill in uh, in uh, the lower house. And we were, like probably a lot of people listening, we were all sitting there watching, and I was the only one in my office sitting there watching it. And it sort of just got cast aside like a piece of tax legislation and knocked on the head and defeated. And then, you know, the Prime Minister, everyone just sort of went back to their job, but no-one around me sort of noticed anything at all. And I was devastated. I was floored by the whole thing. I couldn't believe that it would had, hadn't happened. Um, and I just wanted to see how The Telegraph reported that the next day. And when there was only six paragraphs in the paper I worked for the next day, I was so fired up that I'd fired in this column and I wanted to run it. And on the advice of my sports editor at the time, he said, mate, don't do this. You've got a preliminary, an NRL preliminary final coming up. You're going to get swamped. You're going to create news. Do you really want to uh, uh, bring all this attention to yourself? And I sort of thought about it and I agreed that he said, do it in a few months. The issue's not going away. I wanted a strike while the iron was hot, but I didn't do it. And it was the biggest regret I've had in a long, long time. Um, and always kicked myself for not doing it, even though I was, I was advised not to do it out of um, out of respect for my sports editor at the time. But when this opportunity came up, I thought I'm not going to let it go by again. So that's why I did it. Andrew, uh, your passion is rugby league. I'm trying to sort of talking to Smithy before to see if we can try and convert you to rugby union. But um, <laughs> what was the response uh, like coming from, I suppose, not only your colleagues, but maybe from the NRL? And I'll just, I just I see you plug Bingham there. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, get someone of your calibre down there to report on Bingham, maybe. Well, I have been helping out the, um, the organisers and Andrew Purchase um, with some publicity with the Bingham Cup, and I'll do a lot more this year. Um, this has been the absolute upside of it. The NRL's first reaction was to defend themselves. The media manager at the time of the NRL uh, sort of basically said we couldn't, again, reiterate what, he, what they'd said all along, that it was Ryan Stiggs' religious beliefs and that their vilification policy uh, wasn't strong enough to take action. I thought that was absolute bullshit, and I'd made that point very clear. If, that, if their anti-vilification policy didn't cover those type of comments, basically... Uh, connecting homosexuality to the work of the devil and also alcoholism, they were really outrageous comments, then their anti-vilification policy deserves to be changed. Uh, and as a consequence of, of my anger over it in that column, uh, Andrew Purchase and I met with Dave Smith from the NRL, the CEO, uh, late last year. It might have been earlier this year, I can't remember, but it was a few few weeks ago. And they're, gonna, they're drafting up a anti-homophobia policy, the like of which they haven't got in any major sport in Australia at the moment. So there's, that's been the best part of it. There's been this... Uh, that's the upshot. 
that we could actually make some sort of change or difference out of it. So as long as we get a good result out of it, that's all that matters. And it's been 20 years since Ian Roberts came out. That's it. That's the point. That's the thing that I said to to Dave Smith. Rugby league should be the leader, the world leader in it, because it had Ian Roberts. It had the first uh, professional footballer who was still playing to come out. And, and that's why league should be setting the standard. But it's so far behind, it's not funny. Andrew, you're about to go off to Sochi for the, uh, of course, the Winter Olympics. What's your take on how athletes and the viewing public might react to, uh, I suppose, the gay propaganda laws that, that Putin's put in place? <laughs> Everything's going to be all right, apparently, because Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, said that uh, he, um, he loves Elton John. Oh, and uh, oh, and Elton John's go. music, and the people of Russia love Elton John. So that, despite, that was the word he used, despite his orientation. So I don't know whether to take uh, to, to take that in a positive light or not. Maybe they could get Elton there to sort of stop the protests and have him there just, just singing throughout the Olympics. Exactly, a nice vibe. Uh, what do you, what um, do you think about the security I've there? I've noticed, though, CNN did a story late last year, that there is a gay club in Sochi. It's a cabaret club in Sochi, so I'll have to, I'll, that's, well, where I, I see that's the mayor came out. My, that's where I intend to follow my first story. I see the mayor came out today saying uh, of Sochi, saying that there he knows of no gay people in Sochi. There are none, <laughs> so um, I don't know who's att- attending the cabaret club. Andrew, thanks so much for uh, catching up with us tonight. I wish we'd uh, allowed a bit more time. We'll we'll definitely be chatting with you later in the year. And as me and Michael hit the field up there in S- Sydney for Bingham, we'll we'll make sure we uh, call past. But uh, thank you very much. You're in the locker room on Joy ninety four point nine. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. What's been happening in the tennis, Adam? I, I believe uh, you've got some news for us. Yeah. Some news, yes. Well, as you may have realised last week, the, new, the, the tennis sort of wrapped itself up. Um, and out of it came two new vanquers to the Australian Open, one being in the women's final by Lee Na, and the second being Stanislas... Pronounce his surname for us, please, Stanislas Wawrinka. Wawrinka? I think that's right, isn't he? He's, uh, what is he, Swiss, Swiss as well. He is Swiss. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you applause for that. Stanislas Vavrinka, who uh, beat uh, the number one seed, Rafael Nadal. Yeah, so he also, so it's a bit of a record for him. So what happened? He beat Djokovic. He beat Djokovic and Nadal. He's the only person in uh, the Grand Slam to have uh, to to have gone on to win a cup by defeating the number one and the number two seed. Normally, it's the one and two seed that battle each other out eventually at the end. Yeah. So uh, Vavrinka was a number six seed who came through and uh, sorry, number six. He was uh, what was he? He was nine or something like that. Mm. Came through and and powered through. Can I, I must say this. It was the first time I'd actually watched a Grand Slam final from start to finish. I don't know. I just sometimes think, and this is really weird, I suppose it's the whole tall poppy syndrome. I like to see the underdog. And it was really, really good tennis to, rather than just seeing the, uh, you know, a rematch of Nadal and Djokovic as, as usual, it was nice to see someone else differently. Oh, look, Aussies love seeing an underdog get up, and I think that's what they got. But th- there's been some, some joy expressed in his hometown of... Uh, in, in Switzerland, in Lausanne, yes, there is. Uh, they've they've named like a small town after him, and it was tradition when Roger Federer won his very first Grand Slam that he was given a cow by the Swiss government. A and cow, a cow with a bell. Oh, I don't know about the bell. 
I suppose they didn't give him a Swiss bank account with lots of uh, money in it. Some chocolate right, cow, that's fine. Ma- maybe it's sort of like a retirement, you know, after, you know, that uh, Roger Federer's won 17, maybe he's been given 17 cows so he can be a dairy farmer after oh. he retires from tennis. Oh, there you go. Don't people give cows as a dowry? Maybe that's what it's about. <laughs> Look, here's a cow, now go find yourself a wife or something like that. <laughs> and then you trade the cow for a wife, but maybe. Bartering system. No, not quite. So he's gone on, he's gone back home and he's very happy. Uh, his wife mm. and wife and daughter are very happy as well. Uh, Lee Na, I have to say, is the comedic genius when it comes to speeches, Mm. uh, thanking her coach for making her very rich Mm. and for thanking her husband for being by her side, for tuning her rackets, for for mixing her drinks. And uh, afterwards, uh, she says, you should be really lucky that you're with me. Oh, how lovely. And what is her nationality? She's Chinese. She she is is Chinese. Chinese. Yeah. Well, she could be from anywhere. She could be Chinese-American or Chinese-Australian. But she did cause a bit of a stir because in her thank you speech, she did not thank China. And we know how we know how strict China is on training their athletes and, uh, ta- mm. and taking care of their citizens. So, so just, she's copped a bit of a backlash from Chinese agencies on that. So what You're the, supposed to thank the party. Uh, apparently so. Right. Are you supposed to? Oh, okay. I'm just wondering. So when she got back to China, was any, you know how like people wait for you at the airport? You know, um, was anybody waiting there? Or was it, was it, was there a big crowd in China? Or? Well, here's the thing. And we, we touched on it uh, this morning on the breakfast show as well, is that the news caption said that she was greeted by tens of thousands of fans. Now let's get serious. China has 1.4 billion people and only 10,000 people could show up to say hello. Oh, 10,000's a lot, though. I'd be happy with 10,000. You'd be happy with 10,000? Yeah, out of 1.3. But well, a lot of them aren't living, like, right near you. Mm. No. Do you think all of them know who Lee Na is? Well, they probably do now. <laughs> mm. And it was really cool because Melbourne was splashed on the front front page of Chinese newspapers. So everyone in China knows about uh, Melbourne look, now. We, we love nothing more than a bit of reflected glory here in Melbourne. Just as long as we know that our name was mentioned, do you know we're, we're happy. They are the number one tourist now. There you go. Switching slightly off. off. But that, you know, it used to be um, New Zealanders and, and Poms, but it's uh, the Chinese. So, of course, you know, it, all this money that we spend on the open is uh, coming to fruition. Well worth it. Well, Lena has finally won her first Asian Pacific title. She missed out two years ago on uh, the um, one uh, another Asia Pacific region that was hosting a tennis competition that's left from my mind and the Australian Open. She she came a runner-up mm. in that. So that's her first one. It's the first Grand Slam ever for, for Vavrinka. Mm. So that's exciting. Uh, now, you did mention before in the roundup, and I'll touch on it just quickly, um, there was a bit of backlash and a bit of booing given to Nadal because he had to hobble off for about seven minutes and uh, get his back realigned or reassigned or massaged or some pills popped into him. So what what are the rules, do we know? So you, you're allowed, what, a wee break and be, it was seven minutes too long. Do you think that's what the crowd was getting a bit antsy about? Well, they can think? go up and get themselves a glass of Chardonnay or a hundred of strawberries. I don't see what the problem is. Strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're watching the tennis, half the seats are empty anyway because someone's offered a hospitality tent. I like, I, don't, I just don't see what the people's problem is. Well, well Smithy, you're, you're an avid uh, AFL goer like I am. Do you actually sit and watch the game the whole time? Or I go with friends and we sit away from the seats and we just sit, you know, in the in the bar and the and the eating area watching it there and, you know, grabbing a drink. Smithy's I watch the whole game and I'm gripped with fear. <laughs> you're a Melbourne supporter. Of course you don't want to watch. <laughs> Got anyway, to do. Uh, exactly right. So, uh, moving on, big big Monday coming up. Uh, it is. Yeah, it was Super Bowl, but there's uh, a slightly different angle you're going to take to Super Bowl. That's right. Look, this um, Sunday does see the Super Bowl being played, and that's American football for those who didn't know what the Super Bowl was. That's the one where they wear helmets and crash into each other. It's between the Seattle Super Seahawks and the Denver Broncos, and it's being played in New Jersey. It'll be on Monday morning at about 10.30 our time. 
but there's been a bit of a story released, and it should be said on the NFL Network's channel, so on the actual channel run by the National Football League itself, so it's not trying to hide from this. Can I ask, sorry, just stop you there for a second. So they've got their own team, because this is what yeah, the AFL course. have been attempting to yeah, do. Yeah. Well, the they? AFL models itself on the NFL when it comes to sports media, so that's not a surprise. Uh, its program is called A Football Life, and it profiled player, uh, player Jerry Smith, who remained publicly closeted for his entire life, but was known to be gay, and he died of AIDS in 1986. Um, it gave an account of his affair with teammate Dave Copay, whom he played with on the Washington Redskins in the late 60s and early 70s. Oh, and they're on the same team? On the same team wow. together. It's, it's pretty heartbreaking stuff, and we're going to hear just a little clip uh, from Dave Copay himself, and, he, and just the way he talks about their romance is just quite heartbreaking in and of itself. GLBTI sporting news that matters to you. That matters to you. The Locker Room. In 1969, the Redskins recorded the franchise's first winning season in 14 years. And the undersized kid with the big secret had become the best tight end in football. But there was no outrunning the truth of the times. Though gay men may have been quietly accepted on Lombardi's Redskins, their secret was never publicly discussed. It was a don't-ask, don't-tell environment for pro bowlers like Smith or journeymen like Dave Copay. A, a teammate learned that Lombardi had picked me up off waivers and um, said, you're going to love the Redskins and you're going to love all the people, and especially you're going to love Jerry Smith. And um, he says, um, he's your kind of guy. And I thought, wow, that was uh, interesting. One night when we did get together, we were out drinking, and one thing led to another. All of a sudden, there was Jerry um, um, in bed with me, um, loving me, and uh, maybe I was still buzzed or whatever, but I thought this was really good. At least I was sharing something of myself with someone who's, who's close and understood all that I had been through and understood so much of what we hoped for would come, you know? And that's where we left it. And it never happened again. Joy, 94.9. Well, Smithy, I can now see where the announcer from America's Most Wanted and the background music ended <laughs> up. I oh, don't you think it's beautiful? Yeah, it's I, mean, the, they, I mean, they, the tight end they got ended up with the, the, the loose forward, I yeah. suppose, and away you went. But they got together just once, and... And being oh, it was only a, once. Yeah, they they said that they they'd happened once and it never happened again. Oh, that's it's just it's heartbreaking. Oh. Don't you think? And I suppose what was it? Nineteen sixty nine, seventy one. Yeah, like late sixties. And and what comes through yeah. from the show, if you can you can watch pretty much the whole show on the internet. Um, is they interview other teammates and some of whom kind of knew, some of whom kind of suspected but weren't really sure, and some of whom had no idea. Well, they only did it once. Well, I mean, but that, but but it was it was known that uh, Jerry that Jerry Smith in particular was was gay. Hmm. But it's interesting how that that someone said to to Dave Copay, "Hey, you like Jerry Smith?" Wink, wink. Like that ah. that that was in the clip. That was what was said. And also, what comes through is that the coach at the time, Vince Lombardi, and he's you know one of the giants of of the NFL. Um, he had a gay brother and was famously intolerant of homophobia and and put a stop to it. We've ever heard, saw it going on within his team. Oh, really? Yeah. So it, it is from another era, but it is interesting to reflect on that and also to think about what it means now and those who say, like, we've just heard recently that people should stay in the closet and it's not relevant and we shouldn't know about it. 
because there's so much sadness and loneliness in Dave Copay's reflections about what life was like at the time that it's really hard to see how it wouldn't have affected him and his ability to play sport at that level. Hmm. To, 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 to say that to him to hook up with someone on the team was just a chance to kind of feel not alone anymore. So you think if that was the case, you know, how, how can it not be, how can being in the closet be good for you as an athlete? How can it be good for you as a person? Why has Martin Scorsese not picked this up? I always say Freddie Mercury would be a great story. What a great movie that would be. Hey, look, you know, maybe you and I, there's a career for us in, in film production if, Making... if this radio gig doesn't work out for us. Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting just to think about other pro athletes who've come out recently and what they've said. So gay boxer Orlando Cruz um, said that he's much more tranquil now. He said, my mind is on the fight. It was the same with my other two fights after coming out. I was calm and won easily. I'd said what I wanted to say for so long. I'm a gay man. I'm a fighter. And this gives me calm. And then, of course, he lost a fight after that. So we won't, you know, we won't. We probably got too calm. But that's right. Maybe got too calm. But look, you know, and then we've also had New Zealand rugby player Ryan Sanders. And I know, Robert, you think that maybe no, no, he hadn't played right. at the most elite level. But he, he did play at the highest provincial level. And he said that um, life inside a rugby environment was suffocating. And he felt that he had to hide his sexuality. What he said is, I kept it to myself. I didn't come out. You have to be pretty guarded. You have to watch what you say and what you do. You have to always be on your guard, which can get quite tiring and can take a toll emotionally. If I felt I was able to come out at this stage and still continue playing, then that would have been ideal. But I didn't have the confidence to do that at that stage of my life. It was far too daunting. Mm. There's been a lot of stories recently, I suppose, uh, regarding the All Blacks. And, you know, a lot of people keep writing stories about... Um, you know, when's the gay gay All Black going to come out? And, you know, even though, you know, we're talking New Zealand here, the All Blacks are quite synonymous around the world, are they, are they not? Well, they just haven't lost a game for about 12 months, so they're, they're sort of an important icon of the sport, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's exactly right. But I don't know. I mean, people sort of hold it up there as they go along, but... Um yeah, we'll see what happens. So we're making progress, but maybe there's still a long way to go. You're on The Locker Room on Joy 94.9, and we'll be back in a Work moment. getting you down? Unwind with us weeknights with uplifting, informative, and empowering programs. Joy 94.9. GLBTI sporting news that matters to you. That matters to you. The Locker Room. And you're in the locker room with Rowley and Smithy. Uh, Smithy, of course, just wanted to quickly say, before we kick on with what's this week in sports, I thought I'd just quickly say thanks to, of course, our guest today. We've got uh, Dame from Team Melbourne with the Midsummer Sports Day on Saturday, which is going to be great, and I'll see you down there. Yeah, and we had Andrew Webster from the Sydney Morning Herald and also our producer, Adam, who's popped in with a little story. So thanks very much. Thanks, Adam. Pleasure. No, not a problem. We'll have to um, maybe keep you on on a on a special guest appearance on uh, relevant sports stuff. I and you can hear more of Adam on Rise Up on Wednesday mornings. Exactly right. Here on Joy. Uh, Smithy, this week in sport we've got Wrestle... Is it Wrestle the Rock or Wrestle Rock? I don't know, actually know much about wrestling. But anyway, Wrestle Rock, Saturday 01 uh, at the Corner Hotel in Richmond from 8pm. Kicks off with a bang to the floor. What's your favourite pro wrestlers from around the world? And this country can over five matches for the ultimate winning title amongst the mayhem will be plenty of rock and roll tunes to keep you entertained with Mercy Kills and Los Amigos the latter, the latter of whom will be launching their new album so isn't that great bit of rock bit of bit of wrestling I don't know yeah it sounds interesting anyway have a look um, if you're actually into serious sport um, the T20 international cricket is on at the MCG where did Australia take on serious England. did you well I think t- T20 cricket is becoming more serious you know, Australia is ranked eighth in the world in 2020 cricket. We're, we're slightly better than Ireland. Yeah, we need to get those. Buckets. We need to get better at that. I mean, even New Zealand are better. Off our heads. Um, and if you also prefer the round ball game, the Melbourne Heart play Sydney FC at Amy Park 
also on Friday night at 7.30pm. So you'll have to take your pick which one you want to go to. And I hear there's going to be some Melbourne Heart guys down at the uh, Midsummer Sports, so I might just give them a few tips. Yeah, this is this is why I've jumped on the Melbourne Heart bandwagon. You know, I think that, uh, you know, they've got the right values as an organisation. They're, that- just, they're just going to have my many games yet. Well, they, when we gave away some of those funky trunks the other week, um, they, they've got the Melbourne Heart have got a, a brand there as well, so they were looking pretty good when they uh, when they launched those as well. And just a score update: the uh, first T20 game is on at Bell Revival in Hobart, and Australia is 48 for no wicket after five overs, so it's going Hobart. pretty well for the Aussies Ooh. so far. Who are they playing? Oh, they're playing England. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got on? We've got, uh, of course, Super Bowl game day. If you don't really feel like going to work on Monday, you're like, well, what do I do on Monday? Melbourne's a bit boring today. We'll just go and look for some Americans in a pub, and they will be drinking shots and, and tequilas from uh, 10.30 on but Monday. But if you don't want to go to a pub, you can go to Federation Square, and it's on. Oh. Um, and on the big screen there, it's complete with New York-style street food special guests, a purpose-built stadium, a Budweiser bar, live entertainment, big prizes, cheerleaders, and more. And that's free, and that's at Fed Square from 10.30. The pre-game entertainment starts at 9, so you could go and down and try it before work and then decide whether or not you're going to go back to work. I wonder if you get to watch the ads at half-time. That's the sort of real real joy of the Super Bowl, apparently. Oh, that's where um, Janet Jackson um, let out her thing, wasn't yeah, it? that's with right. Justin Timberlake. You never know, you might get lucky again this year. <laughs> hey, I think that's about all for the locker room tonight. Time to hit the showers, Rolly. See you next week, Smithy. You're in the locker room on Joy 94.9. Listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.